Hi, I'm Ginger. I'm a bisexual book lover. And hi, I'm Brianna, and I'm a queer comic connoisseur. Uh, Today we're talking about some of our favorite queer characters in media and literature. So I read a book over the uh, Thanksgiving break. It was the final in a trilogy um, called The Ark of a Scythe. Um, The third book is called The Toll. The series is by Neil Shusterman. Um, It's an incredible series. And in the third book, um, he introduced a new character who did not have a gender that I had ever come across ever before. Um, It was, you know, this book series brings in characters a lot of the time and they kind of play their role and then they disappear or occasionally they'll play more significant roles. But um, this character showed up at the beginning and then sort of stayed out of force of will and by the end like was in love with one of the other main characters and had saved the day a couple times and had just like shown. Um, this character's name as Captain Jericho Sobrianis. I love that name. That name is wonderful. That's like, that's the number one pirate name of all time. That is, yeah, absolutely. Like Treasure Planet kind of. <laughs> and Jericho is not even a, a pirate because pirates don't technically exist in this universe because uh, everything is legal or not. It's confusing. But um, Jericho was born in Madagascar uh, of, you know, the future. And Madagascar is like this special place where. Um, everyone is born without a gender and they select their gender at the age of, I think, 13. Interesting. And it can kind of be whatever they want. So, right. So how did uh, Jericho identify then in that Jer- upbringing? Jericho chose to be um, male under the sun and female when they were cloud cover. That's very interesting. Like it was to wild. tie it to weather. That's, yeah, that's interesting. Um, it was like you know, in theory, it's a really strange concept, but uh, it it created this really nice like sense of Jerry being like really tied to the earth and like always yeah. being outside. You know, like I love that jungle and like you're the captain. Yeah. So, so you know, this person is like the captain of a big salvage vessel. And so. To feel, outside. yeah, to feel so natural to be that, yeah, that's that's, that's awesome. Um, and and Jerry had to, you know, like explain uh, their gender like constantly, constantly throughout the right? book. Yeah, but it so was, that's very interesting that in that book, there's still like, even though it's fantasy, that the author decided to still kind of bring that kind of conflict yeah. within Jerry's life because, you know, with fantasy, it's easy to write off and be like, oh, this is just a natural thing. But no, they still tried to make it realistic in the way that like oh explaining your gender is just something that everybody has to do sometimes yeah and it was it it was it was never in a derogatory way people would be confused and jerry like in canon has a very androgynous look just like is not visually anything you know some non-binary people really look one way or the other and jerry very much didn't which um i would like that was the choice that the author made um, but it made, I think, it made the ease of access better for other characters to be like, so, question mark? Right, yeah. Um, and it, it encouraged a lot of conversation about gender throughout the entire 900-page book, which was not at all about 
anything related to that before, but because this character showed up. Right. Oh, so magical. That is really cool. I, like, really respect that. Yeah. Honestly, like, the fact that an author would have the guts to try to put such a complex thing into a book that's fantasy. Yeah. Because um, fantasy, you can easily so write off so many things and not really make gender or sex a really big thing but the fact that the author did make it a big thing makes it more realistic Mm -hmm. in a fantastical world and I feel like Jerry seems like a great character that people can like look up to and like see themselves in and especially you know uh Jerry's like really sassy and really flirtatious and also very like grounded and and adaptive right just like a really nuanced character, um, I I I always appreciate when um, when any character is portrayed as like a whole entire human being um, and not just like a few dimensions of right, a person. Yeah, you like know? make it more dimensional and like complex yeah. and and really true to life. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I think a character that has really impacted me like that um, that's in comic books has mm. been Valkyrie. You know, um, Valkyrie is a part of the Thor series mm-hmm. and was first introduced way back when and um, was actually only supposed to be a love interest of Thor's. But because she was such a hit, she became her own character. Mm-hmm. And like the development and evolving nature of Valkyrie has always been something that I've loved in comic books because um It wasn't until later on that it was discovered that she was bisexual. Mm -hmm. And so it was really interesting to see such a complexity like sexuality be put into a comic book fantasy world and still her not be any less than who she was Mm because she was a strong, independent. She became a strong, independent woman. And um, it was even shown in the movies. And so... Something that really cool that just happened was um, Tessa Thompson, who mm-hmm. plays Valkyrie in the movies of this Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah. um, went on to, I think it was Comic-Con uh, about a year ago, was like, um, now that I am king, because she became king, <laughs> um, and I love that. Like, that yeah, statement like- alone is just... Hell yeah. Like, Absolutely. I'm, I'm a king now. King. Um, and then king. said, right? <laughs> and then said, well, I think now it's time for me to find my queen. And I'm like, I love that because... It's like swoon all over it, Yeah, it's swoon. It made my heart... <laughs> it made my heart swell. It definitely made my heart swell because I was happy that Marvel was finally taking the step mm. into accurately portraying a queer comic book character and bringing her to life because I thought I've always thought Valkyrie was a very strong independent kind of person and Tessa Thompson I think is the perfect person to represent her because she is also bisexual so to to have a bisexual person that's openly bisexual also represent somebody who is bisexual in media and in like fantasy land is amazing to me and I think you know that her voice was really important in that decision because Especially as a bisexual person, like erasure that kind of erasure where it's like, oh yeah, you're bi, but like, you know, the the fans only actually see you with right. people of the opposite sex. So yeah, it's it's that type of queer baiting that's like so common. Yeah. Um, and and just seeing Marvel be like, all right, okay, this seems to be popular. Let's just stop baiting them and just let them have it. Right. It it to some people maybe that doesn't seem like a big deal. To me, it really does. It, yeah, same to me too. Because 
I mean, this is Marvel is something that I've been following ever since I was young. And so I've always loved that cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. And to be able to see Marvel finally go through and have the first queer superhero film, like mm-hmm. officially, and have her completely out and having her have a huge voice in that is beyond amazing. Yeah. Because it's something that I never thought as a kid would ever happen. Yeah. So it's like my child fantasy coming to life. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a queer relationship or a queer, and or a queer character is like the main event and not like some, you know, side piece. Side plot. Yeah. That was why I was so excited when Jerry just stayed. Like Jerry was introduced and you just fell madly in love with them. You were just like, oh, you're so cool. And you just know how to work all the powers and got all this swagger. But like, I know you're going to disappear. And then they just- To have them stay? Didn't. Yeah. And they just played more and more important roles and like with their eyes on the yeah. It's just like- That's amazing. Yeah, when when Valkyrie became king of, you know, Asgard, Thor, you know, it was a good moment. And like, I just, I love the fact that I'm seeing representation in this kind of sense Mm -hmm. of fantasy because fantasy, I feel like is a way for people to escape Mm -hmm. and also for people to see themselves as something higher and mightier. Than yeah, anything before. Absolutely. It, it gives like, you this gives, aspiration. Yeah. Like gives you the whole anything is possible kind of yeah. vibe. And the fact that Marvel is deciding to expand that to not only bring in people of color, but also bring in people of different identities yeah. and different cultures, like is something that I've always loved about the Marvel studio. Yeah. So what I find super entertaining here is that independently, because we both kind of picked, you know, the character that we wanted to talk about, that uh, we both picked characters who actually ended up sort of representing the other. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. (laughs) I went for badass genderqueer and you went for badass bisexual. And then I thought that was funny too, because I do kind of see myself a lot in Jerry. And like, Mm -hmm. I can't wait to read this you know, trilogy, so that way I can more get to know this character and see myself in them. Yeah, I'm really excited for you to read it and then text me all about it. Absolutely. a lot of emojis and exclamation points. <laughs> right. Um, I, but I, I thought it'd be, it'd be cool to take, like, a moment to talk about, you know, people or characters that inspired us in, like, our own sexualities over the years. Okay. If, if yeah. anyone occurs to you? Um, well, there is... One character, I don't know enough about him to, or them, to um, really go deep into it, mm-hmm. but That's good. Um, Loki has been a very intriguing and interesting character. You're part of the right in the Thor cinematic universe, yeah. aren't you? Yes, I am. Yeah, because fair, fair. I love the Thor cinematic <laughs> like, I love the Thor cinematic universe, but I also really love the Thor's characters mm-hmm. in um, his comic book history. Right, right. And Loki has always been a very predominant one. He's had a very full life. Um, one of the really interesting things about Loki that not a lot of people know is that he's actually gender fluid mm-hmm. and has very and has been always really fluid in his life, um, he's been a woman. And he predominantly, yes, he uses he, him pronouns, but he's been multiple things in his life. He's been Kid Loki, um, 
he's been a woman and uh, he's also been really old. He's yeah. been really, you know, he's been all these different kinds of like people in his life. Yeah. And so I remember when I did read the, um, the, the comic series of Loki reincarnating as a woman, I remember loving it a lot because Loki was very unaffected mm-hmm. by it and didn't really care yeah. where other people would be like, holy crap, you know, I'm a, I'm a woman now or whatever, like really like all of those really emphasis. Terrible yeah. Jokes. Really all those terrible, terrible jokes. Loki was really just like, okay, I'm a, I'm a badass in this form now, you know, and question mark and question yeah. mark. <laughs> and like, I guess I'm going to bring more mischief into the world in this body instead. You know, and I feel like that's the thing that I love the most about Loki and like where I see myself in him a lot because I feel like gender can be related to mischievousness a lot, especially in fantasy. So the fact that Loki represented like this mischievous, like I'm I'm bad, but I can also be good, but I'm also really bad. <laughs> yeah. And like still present like These a really are not nice, mutually exclusive. right? These are yeah. not mutually exclusive. Nothing but... about we as mutually exclusive. <laughs> I love that about Loki. I love how fluid he is in yeah. his life and how he feels so unaffected by people clocking him for something that he's not. You know, I feel like there's a theme here of like, um, like badass mischief makers Heck and yeah. like genderqueer awesomeness. Because what's what's fantasy without bringing a little hope? Honestly, pretty... into life. Be gay, do crime. Right? <laughs> there we go, we found it. We, we found, found it. it. We found the Speaking of crime. Oh um, boy. <laughs> okay, so no, alright. So, um, have you ever seen the show Lost Girl? I have not. Um, so Lost Girl is a really genuinely from the bottom of my heart, a terrible show. Like in the best way, you in know, it's best. just so dumb and you're just like, so good, guys. so bad it's good. And the main character exactly, the main character is a, a, a female succubus named Bo. Um, Heck yes, I'm already into this. Right? And her whole thing is like, her backstory is like, oh, you know, anytime she has sex with someone, she kills them. Succubus like, yeah, unfortunately. And and then she like kind of discovers like what she is and, you know, gets, uh, it doesn't matter. So she starts getting taking control of her powers. And from the very beginning, she's like, "Uh, well, yeah, I like everybody. I'm like 100% bisexual. And through, the uh, through the narrative, she has kind of two main people that she is like really serious about, even right. though she will fuck anybody. Absolutely. And and even just that was really awesome for me because you know I feel like sometimes sex is put on this like pedestal, like sacrament, yeah. and and all, like oh you know only for the one that you love. It's like no, it's just right. It's yeah, for, it's for it's for yourself. It's for fun. It's good. Absolutely. Um, I like I love that. I love how you said that because it really is like it's sex is what you put it up to, mm-hmm. you know? Like, sex is definitely all about one person's look on their own sexual lives and yeah. not everybody else's yeah. input on their sexual lives. And it can be, like, good and fueling and, like, satisfying even without there being, like, a whole history or a whole relationship or, like, a whole, right. whole commitment. Like, yeah. you can still have... A, anyway, you can still get something out of it. Yeah. Um, but her two main uh, kind of romances were uh, one guy and one girl. Um, there, was, there was a werewolf guy and a human doctor. Love that. Um, woman. And uh, they, they they sort of, at parts it was like one or the other. And then they were sort of like, you know what? Like, we know how this goes. She's a succubus. We're fine. They were basically <laughs> we're just fine. like, you know, like classic 
not, not it wasn't a polytriad, but it was it was a poly B. That's what it's called, I think. Um, and uh, th- um, the the doctor uh, is. I just love her so much. She's she's like a science nerd, and she is, uh, you know, like they're both super protectory. But it was it was so clear, and Bo said it explicitly. Like you know, you are like my life partner. Like you are here with me till the end, and like That's, no matter what I do, I'm gonna make this yeah. commitment. That's sweet. Never. I don't think I've until that point. I'd never seen a television show that like had any kind of main character lesbian romance on it at all. Right, yeah. Um, no, that, that's actually really interesting because, like, you know, bisexuality is always yeah put into, like, this category of, like, promiscuity. But the fact that this succubus, who is a part of that promiscuity, but, like, that's only about her powers, yeah. um, is able to find a life partner in somebody. Mm-hmm. And to show how, like... That doesn't instantly make her a lesbian. No. Because she also has this side boob werewolf. Yep. And he's sort of like, you know, protector, right. bodyguard, like, and, and, and friend. And, like, they are really close. And they do love each other. And it's so great because they're different relationships, but they're both, like, really valid. And um, I like that a lot. And I think that kind of just makes it more real. Yeah. And that's, like, like we said before, mm-hmm. is such a beautiful thing about fantasy is that, like, it can provide these narratives that don't always have to have to come from a, like a place of truth, but still come from a place of realness yep. and gives people, especially kids like, or young youth and like teenagers that are queer or questioning like these people to look up to and give them hope. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like that's what Valkyrie does. I yeah. feel like that's what Loki can do. Yeah. Um, if people want to read comics, <laughs> shout out, please read comics. Um, like if people want, if like people love books, like that's where they find their characters that yeah. they see themselves in. And so I feel like that's really important. And that's what gets lost a lot in media mm-hmm. because people always look, especially in queer narratives for the tragedy. Yep. But this is more we're, about... We're also like the hypersexuality. Or the hypersexuality. And yeah. this is more about, no, this is this is real. This is love. Or this is just me being me. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, the, the sincerity. The sin- yeah. The uh, dimensions, like you yeah. said, with Jerry. Like, there's dimensions behind every person. It's not just tragedy. Yeah. As much as those narratives are also important, mm-hmm. like, it's also important to give people hope. Yeah. And I feel like that's what fantasy does yeah. in the end. Like, yeah. we love a good fantasy because that's it gives us the warm squeezies. The warm squeezies. The warm squeezies. <laughs> like, make my heart all so unhappy. <laughs> the squeezies. <laughs> you said it. I'm so glad. You're right. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that's all the time we have today. Thanks so much, guys, for listening. Uh, happy holidays. Um, good luck in 2020. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs>